0: Good morning. Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Welcome. Hope you're well. Okay, glad all of you are well. Good to hear that. <laughs> all three of you. The rest of you have sniffles. I'm in Isaiah. If you'd like to join me there, we we'll continue continuing our study of the book of Isaiah, verse by verse. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43. That follows 42 if you're having trouble this morning. (laughs) In case you're struggling. Verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. You know when you get to the Bible and it says this is what the Lord says. It's a good time to listen, right? Because he's fixing to say something. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, (coughs) Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west and will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. (laughs) Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Uh, As you know, I love the book of Isaiah. As as I said last week, God always speaks in layers. And we find layers in this verse as well as other verses. Remember we talked about last week, there are four servants mentioned in in Isaiah. There's Israel as a servant. There's uh, Jesus as a servant. There's Cyrus the Great, a great leader who would come later on, 200 years later. And then there's you. And so we find servants. And we find God speaking to all of his servants. We find him speaking to uh, to those who would follow him. Remember the story of, is that uh, Israel's in captivity and they're in Babylon, they've been there for a while. And though when they were freed from captivity, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad captivity, it wasn't the best, it wasn't bad because some of them decided to stay when they were finally set free in 538 uh, AD, uh, B.C., they were set free, some of them decided to stay, some of them went. And I believe that we're in that culture today in our world where many Christians have decided to stay in the camp of the world because it's more familiar with them. They've become more familiar with it. And we're living in a time when we are living in a post-Christian society where Christianity does not rule like it did 40 years ago in our country. Something else rules. And that something else can be many different things. And we we can name them, but that would be a waste of time to name all the worldly ways. But... Isaiah is saying, even in, the midst of your, even in the midst of being in captivity, in the, even in the midst of being in Babylon, I'm still going to call you out. The song we just sang, that last line, the, it's called the bridge in our song. It says, there's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me. That's, that's it. That's, this is Isaiah. This is Isaiah saying, look, it doesn't matter what captivity you're in, a captivity of your own making, Or captivity from someone else, I'm going to continue to tear down the walls. Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to break down the lies. Whatever it takes, I'm going to come after you. And that's what Isaiah is saying here. That's the prophecy we're we're saying here. God is telling the nation of Israel, it doesn't matter how bad it is, I'm still coming after my children, my sons and daughters. I'm coming after them. So let's take this first passage and just look at what he's saying. He said, "I created you, O Jacob, and I formed you, O Israel." Now, what's the difference in a Jacob and an Israel? What's the difference in Jacob and Israel? Who was is Israel? Jacob. Jacob, right? And who was is Jacob? Israel, right? Remember, he was given a new name. Remember, he wrestled with the angel, or with God, or with the pre-incarnate Son of Christ. This is a lot of people want to debate who it was. Nonetheless, he wrestled with with someone who wouldn't let and he wouldn't let him go. And he said, "I won't let you go until you bless me." and And so he was touched on the hip, and he walked with a limp the rest of his life. And he changed his name after that story. He changed his name from Jacob to Israel, right? And what does Israel mean? It means one who struggles with God. What does Jacob mean? Jacob is someone who supplants, someone who's subversive. What did Jacob do to Esau? He stole his birthright, okay? So Jacob had uh, a history of not being a great guy. He stole the birthright from his brother, and so God is calling to the old man and the new man. Look at this. I, talk, I talked about layers, right? In the New Testament, the Bible talks about the old self, the new self, the old man, the new man. God is saying, I'm calling both the old man and the new man. I'm calling the old and the new. I'm coming after you. If you're still living the old life, I'm still coming after you because I love you. If you're living the new life, I'm still coming after you because I love you. Isn't that beautiful? It's the reckless love of God. Yeah. Someone has debated, is God really reckless? That's the artist's interpretation of God's unyielding, unwavering love for us. He's coming after us. He he chose the word reckless. Don't get misled by the word or misunderstand it. What he's saying, what God is saying right here is, your old self and your new self matter to me. Now, God wants to redeem the old self and make it new. But what he's saying is, if you're not quite there yet, I'm still coming after you. I think there are times we all tend to go back to the old self Right, The old way of thinking, don't we? Or am I the only one? Did you have a week this week when you reverted back to maybe the old way of thinking? Mm -hmm. I know I did. And God is saying, that's okay. That's okay. I'm still coming after you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. Probably one of the most beautiful words next to love in the Bible is the word redeemed. It means you've been bought back. It means no matter what you've done, where you've been, what you said, what you thought, what you thought you said, or what you said you thought... God says, it doesn't matter. I'm going to redeem you. I'm, I'm going to buy you back. For I have summoned you by name, your name, when you pass through the waters. God summons us. And here's the thing. God always summons us by our new name. You know, you have a new name written in heaven. Remember that's, that verse in the book of Revelation? says you have a new name written down, right? It's written on a stone. You have a new name. And when God calls you, he calls you by that new name, whatever it is. He's always calling us to the new calling us to the new. He's always calling us out of the old into the new. He says, fear not, I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. He actually knows your name. He knows Jackson's name. Do you know that? He does. Isn't that right? He knows your exact name, right? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When I was uh, 10 or 11, 12, my dad took me fishing on the Old Muggy River in Macon, Georgia where I grew up in Macon. We went up just a little bit north of Macon to wade out into the water and go bass fishing. How many of you have ever waded out in a river and fished? Anybody? Okay, two or three of you. And you know, when you're walking, of course, the old Macon one, it's clear. You can see, you can see the rock formations down there, and you're in waist-deep water. And so you have to be careful where you're walking, because if not, you'll step off in a hole, and then you'll be down streaming in no time, right? And when that water's rushing against you and you're not paying attention and you're fishing, it can actually move you down the rock and you're not even aware that you're moving, it moves you so fast. God says right here, when you're in that water, when you're in the midst of it, when you're in the thick of it, he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do we know anybody else in the Bible that went through a fire and didn't get set ablaze? Shadrach, and Shadrach Meshach, and Abednego. And the fourth person in the fire was Jesus, right? Pre-incarnate Christ, right? So here we have, here we have something that happened that's going to happen in the book of Daniel later on than Isaiah. But once again, there's a layer here. God always speaks in layers. We have a layer here. He's saying, you're going to read about this later on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to be in the fire and they're not going to be burned. Was there anything else that was burned in the Bible that didn't burn? Bush. Burning bush for who? Moses. Moses. All right, great. Speaking of Moses, I give Egypt for your ransom. Cush and C, but these are just areas around Egypt for your ransom and your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. Wow. That's a whole nother sermon right there. Because you are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you. Three things. God says you're precious. So look at your neighbor and say, you're precious. Now, don't, don't say it the wrong way. Don't say it, it's the precious. Okay? <laughs> don't say it that way. Right. You're precious. It says you're honored. So look at somebody and say, you're honored. Right. And say, uh, I love you, right? That's, right. that's what God says about you so on your on your bad day if you have a bad day this week uh, read this verse God says you're precious and honored and I love you that's just amazing right now he's talking to a rebellious people these people are rebellious they they've worshiped idols they've run away from him they they've said all kinds of things about idols that weren't true that they were going to worship these idols, they're better than the God they had when they came out of Egypt and God, even in the midst of that listen, on your worst day when you're having it out with God and you finally told him you don't have anything else to do with him, you're just done with God if you've ever gotten that point in your life God says that's okay, you're still precious you're still honored and I still love you And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've had a bad day with God. But I'm guessing if you have any years on you, you've had one of those days where you say, God, where are you and why am I in this mess? Why have you done this to me? You've gone on and on and on. God says, I'm listening, but you're still precious. I still honor you. The nation of Israel had just given up on God and worshiped idols. He said, I still love you. And I will exchange people for your life. And what does that mean? That means he's going to send an army to rescue them. And some of those people are going to be killed in the process of rescuing. So when Cyrus the Great and his army marched against Babylon and conquered them, there were people that died in that battle. And and God says, I'm giving those people to ransom you. Wow. Did God give anybody else that we know of to ransom us? Starts with a J. Always a good answer when the preacher asks you a question. I will bring your children from the east. Not only will he rescue you, those children who were taken into captivity, he's going to rescue them also. So, parents, if you're old enough to have a wayward child, God's speaking in layers here. He said, I'd like to rescue your child too. Isn't that beautiful? Not only does he want to rescue you, he wants to rescue the wayward child. I will bring your children from the east, and if they were taken into captivity from the west, I'm going to rescue them too. If they weren't wayward, they were just stolen and taken away. I want to rescue them as well. I will say to the north, give them up. And I will say to the south, do not hold them back. This is God speaking. He's going to set his people free. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You realize you're created for God's glory, right? That's what it says. You're created for God's glory. He doesn't say he created a dog for his glory, although dogs are cute, right, Tanya? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say he created cats for his glory, although we don't know why he created cats, right? <laughs> for all you cat people, <laughs> we're not real sure. Huh? Did I just make some cat people mad? I'm sorry. We used to have lots of cats. So. Cat. No, my cats like me. They they would get in my lap before they get in anybody's lap. Cats oh, cats love. Oh, cats love me. He made us for his glory. He formed us and made us. Lead out those whose eyes are, who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. In other words, he's not talking about a physical issue, he's talking about a spiritual issue. Some people are just spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. They don't hear God speaking. And God's at work in everybody's life every day all around the world trying to convince them that he loves them, right? And God's saying, find those people who are spiritually blind. Find those people who are spiritually deaf. Let's bring them out together. Let's assemble them together. Which of them foretold this and proclaimed this to former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say it is true. What he's saying is, has any other prophet ever said what I'm saying now? I'm speaking the truth. Then he comes up with verse 10. He says, you are my witnesses. Where have we heard that verse before? You are my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the what? Uttermost parts of the earth. Where is that verse found? Acts. Okay, good. Uh, pick the first number. Acts 1. Right? Pick the eighth number. Acts eight. That's where it's found. You shall be my witnesses. Right? What does it say in Matthew 28? All power is given to me. All authority is given to me. Go ye therefore in what? Go you therefore and what? Make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Once again, layer. See the layer here? This, this verse is going to show back up in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, in Matthew chapter 28. He says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. There's that servant again. Before me no God was formed. Nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses of this, declared the Lord. Yes, from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, no one can reverse it. Aren't you glad that once you're saved, no one can reverse that? Right? You're not strong enough to reverse God's salvation in your life. No matter what bad day you have between you and God, you're just not strong enough to reverse that. When I act, no one can reverse it. Romans 11:29 29 says, God's calling and gifting are what? Irreversible. What God's called you to and gifted you to do are irreversible. He doesn't take them back. Verse 14. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your God. This is what the Lord said. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished out like a wick. Who's he talking about? The Egyptians. Who are what? Chasing, right? Chasing <laughs> Moses in the, in the gang, right? right? The, the million or two million people that were being led out. So we'll get, once again, he's saying, I did all this for you. This is what I did for you. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs up, but you do not perceive it. So, once again, layers. God is doing a new thing. One, he's raised up Cyrus the Great, who will come on the scene about 200 years later from this prophecy and set the nation of Israel free. So, 200 years later, that's a layer. He's saying, I'm doing something new. And it springs up within you. Now it springs up in you, and you do not perceive it. Where do we see the word springs in in the New Testament? And what does it refer to? Springs of living water. And what does springs of living water refer to in the New Testament? Holy Spirit. Spirit. Absolutely. So once again, another layer here. God's speaking in layers. He's saying, I'm doing a new thing. And several hundred years from now, it's going to spring into being when the Holy Spirit is given. Right? Look, I'm doing a new thing. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. That's good psychology, too. It's good psychology to not dwell on the past. You know, if you dwell on the past, you may stay there forever. It's a good thing to see what new thing God is doing and dwell on that instead of the way. You know, have you ever noticed that God doesn't work the same way twice in your life? The way he worked before is different than the way he works now? Because God always always wants to do a new thing. He calls us to new. He calls us out of the old man and into the new. God's a very positive God in our life. He wants to move us forward. Forget the form of things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a brand new thing. And now it springs up in you. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. In other words, he's saying, I'm, I'm making a way for you to be set free. It's what he's talking about to the Israelites. But he's saying to us today, one of those layers, he's saying to us today that he wants to deliver us from the deserts of our lives. The spiritual deserts that we go through, he wants to deliver us from that. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself, they may proclaim my praise. So he's saying the animals praise me because I'm giving them water. Where is my praise from you, O nation of Israel? And I would say God would ask the same thing of us as a Christian nation around the world. Where is his honor and praise today? Do we really honor and praise God? Do we honor God in our marriage Do we honor God at work? Do we we pill around at work and steal money and time from the employer? Do we honor our husbands and our wives? Do we honor our parents and grandparents? Do we honor the elderly, the orphan, and the widow? Do we honor God? God's saying, do you honor me? He says, the people I formed for myself, do they honor me? Look at verse 22. Yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob, He's, he's called him to his old self, Jacob. Remember the old self, new self is Israel. You have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves from me, O Israel. You have not brought sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I've not burdened you with grain offerings, nor reared you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins, and wearied me with your offenses, wow Wow! God's saying look I don't need your animal sacrifices I really don't I, I've got enough of those I, I, I don't need the incense you know, that's great that you do that that's not what I'm looking for I'm looking for your heart I want to know is your heart fully following me are you are you really fully follow, are you fully developed fully devoted fully desiring to follow me but you have burdened me with your sins. God's saying we're giving God, we're, we're honoring Him, we're, we're honoring Him with our sins instead of, our, instead of a, holiness is what He's saying. Why continue to give me these sins over and over again? I don't want that as a sacrifice. What I want is your heart, true and passionate and following me. I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. He said, I've done all this for you. Where is my honor? The book of Malachi talks about honor. It says in Malachi it says, You say you honor me, but if you honor me, why have you not called upon my name? If you honor me, why have you not done this? And it goes down through a whole list, four chapters in the book of Malachi, of saying, If you really love me, why won't you honor me? And God is calling us to honor him today. You've honored him by being here. Did you know that? Your presence is gathered with other Christians. Is, is one of the most honorable things you'll do today. That's why we gather, is to honor God in the presence of others. So here's a question. What new thing is God doing in your life? Do you see it? Do you know it? Do you believe He's actually doing a new thing in your life? I do. I believe He's doing a new thing in every one of your lives today. If we'll just sit still long enough and listen, we'll hear it, and He'll call us out. The second thing, are we making sure that we're not burdening God with our sins as it says in the scripture, and wearied him with our offenses. I don't want to be known as wearing God with my offenses. Right? And you don't either. Some of us need to have a change of attitude. Some of us need to have a change of heart, a change of insight, a change of foresight, and say, God, I want this day to be a new day. And when you wake up in the morning, say, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. Here's something to try. Every morning when you wake up, before you get out of bed, Right? Thank God for 12 things. Okay, so It's real easy. God, I thank you for this pillow. Anybody sleep with a pillow? Okay, all right. So you thank God for your pillow. If it's worn out, go get your new one so you can thank him for it, right? Thank God for the sheets. Right? Thank God for a warm house. Thank God for a roof over your head. Just when you're laying there, look around and thank God for what you can see, right? right? I thank, just thank him. Just start thanking him. And see how your day will change. See how your day will change. And during the day, try to find a time where you thank God for 12 things. Just 12 things. If you're driving down the road, God, I thank you that idiot didn't run over me, right? Right. That's probably harsh to say it that way, but but be thankful, especially on 24, right? Try it. When you sit down for a meal, thank God for 12 things, including the meal. And if you can't think of something, name each thing individually. It works, right? And see how your life, God is doing a new thing in your life. Do you see it? you perceive it? Now the new thing will always, always, always make you look more like Jesus. The new thing will always make you look more like Jesus because that's who God is. You see, there's no shadow that he won't light up. There's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no wall he won't kick down or lie he won't tear down. Chasing after us to help us become more like Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this amazing chapter written a long time ago Father we submit and say this morning that we are your servants have your way with us we pray as Jesus prayed, not my will Father but your will be done Father help us to serve you help us to serve one another help us to serve our wives, our husbands, our children our parents our employer our employees help us to take on the form of a servant like you did Jesus and help us to see the new thing that you're doing in our life drawing us closer to you Father help us to let this attitude being us that was also in Christ Jesus who thought it not Robert to be called the son of God but instead took upon himself the form of a servant and died on the cross for us thank you Jesus for help us to have that same attitude, same mindset, that same love for you. For it's in Jesus' name that we